Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Word from the Realm podcast, an in-depth look at the world of Sarah J. Mass. Join us as we fall through the Word Gate together to discover the true magic of these amazing realms. We are your hosts, Sarah, aka Rosebud. And I'm Avery Freckles and Fiction. Today we are talking about Empire of Storms. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's the only appropriate reaction yeah. to this freaking book. Like, yeah. you love to hate it. You love to hate this book. I think the only thing I want to mention about this book before us like totally diving into it. Oh, sure. number one, I want to say we are going to do this in one take, like meaning yeah. we're not going to get a part one and part two because we're going to save part two for Tower of Dawn. Yeah, and essentially, then, essentially part one is Empire of Storms and part two is Tower of Dawn. Like, yeah, and then Kingdom of Ash will be divided into two parts just for yes. everyone's sanity. So, uh, <laughs> and ours. <laughs> yeah, really <laughs> ours. Because I, so again, quick tangent, Avery mm-hmm. and I, when we started this, we had intended to be like always ahead. Like we were like, yeah. oh, we'll always be ahead. We're not ahead right no, now. No, we're very far behind right now. We're very far behind. For context, this is Wednesday. I just finished the A Shadow in the Ember live. Uh-huh. And Avery was working on the playlist for Empire Storms. I while have, she was live. <laughs> while I was live. To clarify, I have already gone in twice in the past two days and chaotically added songs here and there. Avery then put fillers. And then tomorrow I'm going to go through and do the final edits before you guys get to listen to it in 24 hours from right Yay! now. So we're very behind, but we're hoping to be ahead again when we start Akatar. So yes, no, we have lots of prep time for Akatar. So I'm hoping to be ahead for that. Yes. Okay. We're going to do things very similar to how we did Queen of Shadows, where we're going to essentially rapid fire it in order of the book. We may not go into as depth, but we're going to save that for our massive wrap up, massive, haha, massive Whoa! wrap up at the very end when we do our full series spoiler discussion of Thunder Glass. So, yeah, because there are going to be things that we want to touch on that are series spoilers, and we keep this podcast pretty, pretty tight to the book yeah. as much as we can. So, there are going to be some things that happen at the end of this book that have some uh, ramifications in later yeah. books that yeah. we're going to need to talk about in depth. So, yeah. So there's a few instances, especially once we get from this point on with Throne of Glass that we can't really discuss in this podcast until we do the massive wrap up because right. it is intense. But, but we I'm hope gonna... to make it as entertaining for you as humanly possible. Exactly. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and jump right on in. The only thing I'm going to bring up really quickly is, oh, and then we will also do our MVPs. So the first thing I'm going to bring up is the prologue. So this is Elena and Gavin. And this is right before the big battle. Essentially, this is right before they decide to entomb Erewhon. And what's very interesting about this is we learn that up until it's the night of the battle, which is why it's called Nightfall, and it's about to become morning, and Gavin is under the impression that Brandon Galathinius still is extremely powerful, can still kind of, I think for a very long time in this time frame of the world, the Terrison slash Galathinius slash Mala life to court situation, I guess is the best way to word that. Words are hard for me right now. But anyways, I think they were like the rulers of the entire land. I think while there were other kingdoms that ruled, I think they were viewed as the overarching powerful couple, essentially. And Gavin is under the impression that they can still 
kind of save the day a little bit. However, Elena brings the news to him that Brandon is dying and he's losing some of his power. So really that one kind of thing that was in the back of Gavin's brain isn't actually going to work. And this is when Elena comes up with the solution of entombing Erewhon. And Gavin isn't necessarily on board with it in the prologue, but what Elena says, and I, it honestly took this reread for me to be like, yeah, I'm on board with what Elena's trying to do here. She's essentially saying that if they don't do this, there is no future. So they right. have to do this, even though they don't want to pass this war on to a future generation, aka right. Aelin. Right. So that's the only important thing to note there. It's a great little prologue. I highly recommend at least reading it once or twice because it's mm. pretty great. Yeah. Okay. Going now into part one, Firebringer. So we're going to rapid fire this as quick as we can because there's a lot of information. And I want to highlight the important things. So number one, the important thing is chapter one. I always forget this book starts with chapter one and with Iliad and Lorcan. <laughs> but Iliad is this rereading this this time around made me think of naked and afraid where like you think <laughs> have you ever seen that show we're like naked yes. and afraid so like for anyone who's never seen it the premise of it is like you're a sur- like you think you're a survivalist and like you can survive naked in the wilderness but then you quickly learn throughout the challenge that like maybe you're not as great at it as you think you are obviously Illy isn't naked but she like but i think she's, she's struggling I think she thought she wouldn't struggle, but she is not doing well. She's like vomiting. She's really sick from drinking the water. She's is in she's in the Oakwald forest and she is traveling to Terrison to hopefully meet up with Aelin Galathenius, who she believes is there. And she's also and she's also got to figure out who Selena Sardothian is and her importance. Yes, because she has a word key. Elite has a word key. She has a word key by Caltane. Yes, the Caltane one. Okay, now flipping a little bit to Lorcan's point of view. So Lorcan pissed off some witches. Obviously. Of course he did. And he is... No one said he was smart. <laughs> no, I am... Nope. We will save nope. my Lorcan argument for the end. <laughs> so Lorcan is trailing Illid and he is getting closer and closer to her. So that's kind of... And and I mean, I think I can quickly wrap up everything that goes on with Lorcan and Illid. There's quite a bit in part one, but I think the biggest things is the fact that there's... A, they somehow finally meet up and there's a traveling circus and i swear to god every time i read this i think it's fan fiction but they are actually in a circus they are she's an oracle and he tosses swords around in body oil it's great yeah he doesn't wear a shirt so one time i like lorkin <laughs> it's not the it. one time it's not the one time you like him it's just the one time in this book that you like him sure the other time i like him is a little different but you know it's mortal peril anyways yeah so that's and then um Vernon at one point comes along and tries to kidnap Elite and it doesn't work out yeah I think that's a I think that's closer in part two but yeah yeah okay great there we go wrapped up Lorcan and Elite oh my god that is not oh okay move on move on okay okay let's spend 45 minutes just kidding (laughs) I'm totally kidding I'm totally kidding I'm totally kidding okay I'm gonna rapid fire this up until we get to Rolf. Okay, so Aelin and Aelin is with at the very beginning of part one. She is with Rowan, Adian, Lysandra, Evangeline, Fleetfoot, and I think that's it. So there are six people on the room. They are traveling through Terrison. Aelin says that this is one of the most peaceful times of her life. Like she loves this. Also, her and Rowan like to get a little freaky, but not freaky enough because there's people around and Rowan refuses to take her up against a tree or in a river. <laughs> Guess a beach is fine. But anyways, um, 
<laughs> anyways, I'll, I'll complain about that later. And they, the, oh, the one thing I do want to quickly point out is it's the Barnes and Noble edition of Empire of Storms include, includes a deleted scene from this moment. So there's a short paragraph that Adian uh, says that they travel, they passed by a young girl. I believe it's in chapter one. No, it's in chapter two. I'm sorry. It's in chapter two. They pass by a young girl who has healing powers. And that is in reference to the deleted scene. In case anyone's wondering. I always try to point out where deleted scenes take place. Basically what's happening is Adian has set up a... An, a meeting with the lords of Terrison. And the important thing to note about Terrison is while it is still a monarchy, it is also dictated by a board of lords and ladies. And they a have a court. I don't know if that's what I would call Darrow, but fine. Listen. Um, and they... He comes around, okay? Yeah, so Aelin is under the impression that they're going to meet with him outside of Arinth because they want to get everything organized before they sneak her into Arinth and then let her eventually rule Terrison. What is actually happening is Darrow has set up a secret meeting outside of Arinth because he refuses to allow Aelin to step foot while she is under the guise of being queen. Right. She is welcome as a princess Princess. of Terrison. And, you know, I sing Aelin's praises and Queen of Shadows. This is one of the times I don't. She's a little cocky in the beginning of this meeting. She tells Darrow to bow lower and lower. And I've now moved to chapter four, but I'll go back. I don't want to skip Manon. I'll come back to Manon. So in chapter four, she tells him to bow lower and lower. And then also what's important to note is Darrow is Aelin's great uncle's lover. So mm-hmm. he was the lover of the king, King Orlin. So he definitely has a rigid opinion of a young 19-year-old girl taking over his lover's kingdom. Who he to, And to be fair, based on her history, yes. we can see why he has some hesitations, but he's very judgy up front and doesn't give her an opportunity. And that's why we don't like him. Yeah, I would agree. I think he is. I mean, I think if a 19 year old were to come up to me and be like, I'm a 19 year old assassin. Right. That's fair. The one <laughs> thing that is very interesting is Darrow's main takeaway. I think he would have let her ruled if Rowan was not with her because he believes Rowan, who is one of Maeve's Blood-sworn. Most trusted blood sworn guards suddenly became unblood sworn and quickly blood sworn to a 19 year old queen. Yeah. And he believes that he is secretly trying to take her throne. And Rowan's like, You clearly don't know Aelin. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, that's just not going to work. So, fun fact I didn't, I refuse to read this chapter. Avery made the notes for this chapter because yeah, I, welcome. I get so frustrated with Darrow in this chapter. Yeah. Rightfully, he's frustrating. He is incredibly frustrating in this chapter. But I also have to say that I I think Aelin approached this incorrectly. Agreed. So I think it was it was a double thing. Now, yeah. when the meeting is over, they are interrupted to discover that Otterlin has been attacked and is being sacked by the witches. Yeah. Um, which this is, I already made a TikTok about this, but I just have to again bring up the fact that he so what happens is they find out that it's been attacked. Aelin immediately knows they have to go save Dorian because Dorian is 
literally the key to protecting Arlen. And so yep. she tells Rowan he has to go. Rowan's yep. like, great. Adian gives him a vial of poison and also a vial of poison for Dorian. So he gives yes. him two vials of poison in case they both get captured, which I totally forgot. Aelin freaks out about. They have their little goodbye. Rowan's goodbye to Aelin is, don't worry, when I see you again, we're going to find an end and finally get it on. And I'm like, yeah, bro. Like, yeah, it'd be nice. On. So Rowan is gone. So Rowan is now going back to Otterlin. Aelin yes. and Adian are like, well, where the where where do we go? Like, you know, what the hell do we do? Aelin comes up with the genius plan of saying we're going we're going to Skull Spig. Okay, I want you guys to remember that when we talk that's about very, Tower of Dawn. That's very important for Tower of Dawn. <laughs> yeah, because I get real. Okay, anyway, so we're going to Skull Spig. Mm-hmm. Before they go there, though, I forget who signs the letter. Is it Ren? Is it the, it's the um, Allsbergs, right? I, I don't remember. It's, I think it's the Alls, Allsbergs. Because I, I think, well, anyways, they sign a letter that basically, because they had a relationship with Rolf, she knows that she, this is not going to be good for her. So she has them sign this letter ahead of time so that when they arrive at Skulls Bay, they are greeted in a positive way and not in a mm, Selena Sardathian almost sacked your entire city type of way. Right. So, but Aelin has a quick detour. So that's what's going on there. All right, let's go to Manon. So then we'll go to Dorian. So Manon is in Morath. She's like, she's not where everything blew up, but like she's close by, you know? Yeah. She's in the mountains of Morath. And her, she knows her grandmother is coming. And I think what's very interesting about this is the 13 have, because now she knows about Astrid, they are... Manon, I think, is more aware of how centrally protective they are of Manon and really protect the matron for, for like, show. Yeah. They don't really care about her. Correct. If the matron were to die, they would not care. Yeah, they do not care. So the matron arrives, and then Vernon is kind of a jerk. <laughs> no one's surprised. Yeah. <laughs> at all. And Manon opens the door and she sees a man with golden eyes who is pretty attractive. I love that Sarah always makes them pretty attractive. And it would happen to be Erewhon. Uh, yeah, we all agree with that. Disgusting. Okay. Erewhon then tells her that they need to go to Otterlin to take control of the city. Mm-hmm. So they are sending Iskra and her Yellow Legs Legion and they are sending Manon in the 13th. Yes. So it's a double whammy. That's yeah. Manon and, isn't uh, necessarily thrilled about this either. Manon is on the way to really protect a very specific human being from yeah. a terrible fate. Yeah. So Manon is not super thrilled about this. Yeah. And so she is going to do her darnest to protect this because it's yeah she's gonna anyway. go save dorian let's just be honest she's, like, she's that's she's on her way to save dorian she even brings up dorian in the meeting and they say they want him alive but they want him back like they want to bring him back here and she's like no i'm not gonna happen so anyways <laughs> so, so manon the goes. man has already been collared we are we're not doing this again like so manon I'm, goes yeah dorian now fast forwarding to dorian and now we're about chapter six and seven so dorian discovers that otterland's getting sacked and he's like uh great he does his best to protect himself the witches begin to start to attack him iskra is about to literally do the killing blow on dorian and it isn't iskra no it's another yellow legs Um, oh i thought it was iskra oh but it is a yellow legs it's another yellow legs because manon kills her and then iskra's like i smell the witch blood on you Thank you. I knew You're it was welcome. a yellow legs. Okay. Yes. Manon comes and kills. And then Rowan shows up, who's been traveling this entire time. And Rowan is 
utterly exhausted, no time for bullshit, almost kills Manon. And Dorian's like, no. And Rowan just saved me. Yeah. And <laughs> Rowan's like, got it. And, but he still doesn't trust Manon, takes Dorian, and they go through the tunnels in Aelin's old bedroom. And then, oh, this is also one of the first times Rowan gets to see uh, the absolute carnage that Aelin made in Crown of Midnight with Archer for anyone who doesn't remember that he's like what the and Dorian's like yeah that was Aelin he's like got it (laughs) makes sense um they sneak out through a boat and then they get into the Avery River and they are now on their way to Skulls Bay as well correct okay going to Aelin so Aelin takes a small detour for anyone who's like looking at a map or like cares so she was right she's basically pretty close to Paranth like that like she wasn't in Paranth but she was a similar area okay she goes up a little bit and there's a small little rivery lake section and she goes to this temple because this is Brandon's temple she has two reasons why she's going there number one she's going there because she wants to talk to Brandon and she thinks this is is a good place to do that and number two she's going there for the Mycenaeans because the Mycenaeans are a lost group of people and she knows she's thinking at this time that if she can learn some information about it she knows it can change the tide with Rolf yeah so she purposefully brings Lysandra into this temple where she for reasons she sees a sea dragon on the drawings and kind of just doesn't tell Lysandra but guides her to look at it it's the best way I can put it. Lysandra's smart, y'all. She's not yes. stupid. She understood. Okay. She knows why she's looking at the dragon. Adian is standing outside of the temple and Aelin walks in and Brandon is there. And Brandon is, this is the first time Brandon and Aelin talk. Just want to quickly note, one of my favorite things about the conversation between Brandon and, a- and Aelin is the fact that I think he gets her more than Elena does. And it is very clear that those two have a have a closer relationship than Elena and Aelin might. Mm-hmm. So just want to bring that up there. And then once that conversation ends, then the old Endovier overseer shows up. He's been possessed by Valk and yeah. attacks, tries to attack Aelin. But it's actually yeah. Erewhon speaking through this Valk. Yeah, serves him right, honestly. What's important about that is this is the first time Adian has to personally address what had happened to Aelin and Endovier. Mm-hmm. I think he knew about it. He didn't, you know, he kind of knew some of the details, but seeing the overseer, seeing her reaction to it, I think was the first time that he genuinely felt regret for what had, what she had to go through. Mm-hmm. So that is what's going on there. Okay. I'm going to go right to chapter 13. This is okay. Dorian and Rowan. Important things to note about this. Number one, Dorian asks Rowan to train him. And he says, is that kind of silly? Dor- Rowan essentially immediately says, no, I don't think it's silly. I think it takes a brave man to admit that he has flaws and mm-hmm. that you asking me to train is pretty cool. He also explains that he doesn't think he's the best person to train him because he has raw magic and Rowan only has ice and wind. Then he continues to ask, well, Aelin has fire. How are you two so great together and rowan says oh we hated each other like we we absolutely hate each other but now we love each other blah blah and dorian says for the first time in this chapter oh right because they're mates it's an inner monologue by the way but he says it it's on the page she's like i wonder if they know they're mates like it yeah says it on the page okay just yeah. to make that clear okay okay going all the way to 17 and 18 Manon. so Manon returns back with the witches iskra is pissed that she killed one of the yellow legs and 
the payment is that they have Manon has to kill Astrid. Yes. With Wind Cleaver. Yes. Manon refuses to pay that price. Well, it's basically like up until that moment, Manon, she doesn't say anything, but it's pretty clear that you think that she's going to do it. And you get right to the morning of, and and Astrin has already accepted her fate. The 13 are already accepting the loss of Astrin. And then Manon puts Wind Cleaver down right by Astrin and tells her to run. She turns her blade on her grandmother and tells the 13 to run. Well, you can tell who read the witch's chapters and who didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And this is after she refused, like her refusal is when her grandmother, as they're fighting, starts telling her about her croc and heritage and everything. And then she falls off of the keep and Abraxas catches her. Yeah. So I was going to touch on that. So the important thing to note for those of you that don't remember in Era Fire, Manon kills a croc and witch. And we find out in this book that that is Rhiannon. That is her half-sister. And that Manon killed her and is wearing her cape. So she is now a called a kin killer. Yes. Manon's grandmother does quite a bit of damage to Manon, the 13 Doofly. And Manon, like Avery says, is basically pushed out of a window. Abraxas grabs her and she tells Abraxas to take me somewhere safe. Pause. She falls out of the window. Abraxas catches her. Abraxas then takes her somewhere. She lands on the ground. She's found by the bloodhound, fights the bloodhound, and then climbs atop Abraxas. Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) Why am I the one summarizing Manon chapter? I don't know. Okay, well, it's anyways. Fine. It's fine. I just had a point is, is that the she tells is, Abraxas to take me somewhere safe. And Abraxas's idea of safe is a Dorian. Is Dorian. Is, is Dorian. Is Dorian. It's absolutely Dorian. That, okay. That dragon knows. The wyvern knows. All right. Watch me summarize the pirate chapters perfectly. Okay, Here so- we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for you, witch lovers. I got you. So I like the witches. I just nobody's saying you don't. Sarah. I just you want to just clarify that like, because people always think like I don't them. like the witches. No, it's not that you don't like the witches. It's that you don't like them as much as you like Aelin, and that's okay. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> this is very true. This is um, why she gave me thirty minutes to summarize the witches after she spent two hours talking about Rowan and Aelin in one of the <laughs> podcast episodes, guys. Two hours. It's fine. And I did it's it in fine. thirty minutes because I was tired. <laughs> I'm trying to speed us up right now. Okay. All right. This is the best way to sum up the the pirate chapters. So Dorian and Rowan show up first and they basically get there and they get a meeting with Rolf pretty quick. And Rolf tells them that he will meet with them when Aelin arrives because he knows that Aelin Galathinius is coming if Dorian and Rowan are here. So they get a room at an inn and while they are there, Rowan and Dorian train. It's really Mm -hmm. cute. It's a cute little thing. Okay. But kicker, suddenly the door opens and there is Fenris and Gabriel. And Fenris and Gavril, who are obviously Bloodsworn to Maeve. By the way, this is because we have, I've been doing a really bad job at uh, summarizing these chapters. This is, so Rowan and Dorian arrive in chapter 20. They see Rolf in chapter 21. Chapter 22 is when the end of 21 and the beginning of 22 is when we see Fenris and Gavril. Okay. So Fenris and Gavril are there for a few reasons. Number one, Maeve sent them to talk to 
Rolf, I forget her stupid excuse, but the real reason they're there is to get Lorcan. That's like the yes. real reason. There is a kill order out on Lorcan. And the second he comes within sight of Gabriel or Fenris, they are bound to kill him. Yes. And so Rowan is a little shocked. He's like, oh, wow. Like, that's why there's two of you. So Rowan tries to use this to his advantage because he's very familiar with their blood oath being bloodsworn for all those years. And what he says is, look, I tricked Lorcan. Lorcan is going to come for me. Mm-hmm. You can make the blood work, blood oath work in your favor because we know she wasn't that specific in her wording to where you can align yourself with me. And then when Lorcan eventually finds me, you can have him. That's what Rowan's agreement is. Fenris, Rowan doesn't let that happen. But anyways, <laughs> right, exactly. Fenris gets a little cocky. No one's surprised. It's funny how the first time you read this and you're like, Fenris is fine. The second time after you read Kingdom of Ash, the level of appreciation you have for Fenris is so high in this book. It's wild. I love Fenris. And they're kind of like on the fence about it. Gavriel is definitely the voice of reason between the two. Like Fenris is kind of your hot headed, you know, crazy one. And then, you know, Gavriel is, is more level headed and more likely to be reasonable. Gavriel seems like he's on the fence. Also, Rowan has a better relationship with Gavriel than he does with Fenris. He's always liked Fenris, but he is closer to Gavriel. And so Rowan, being the lovely surreal that he is, uses this time and this advantage to say to Gavriel, if you don't help me, your son will die. And Gavriel's like, what did you just say? And he tells him that he has a son and it is... I think he says in the chapter, it is Aelin's cousin. And so that's what kind of changes the tide. And I'm pretty sure Fenwar says something like, you were always like an asshole, Rowan. And Rowan's like, I know. Like, he knows that he this is not a good time to say, say this, but he had to use it because he has to get the ally for Aelin. So that's what happens there. Okay, moving on to the only thing about the Aelin chapter right before Aelin arrives in Skulls Bay is it's just her in a boat with Adian and they mm-hmm. are traveling to Skulls Bay and they there is there is quite a bit of, of conversation occurring but it's it's nothing too important to note right now so at least that's what my memory serves okay going to chapter 26 and 27 27 is like my favorite chapter of all time so like forgive me I'm gonna gush about it in a minute but 26 so Rowan knows that he has a meeting with Rolf and Dorian and the other thing that Rowan knows which I always I never really understand how this works but I think what happens is Aelin arrives in Skulls Bay she kind of sends like a sneaky message to Rowan like I'm pretty sure it's like a scent or something she lets him know that that he's that she's there he doesn't know exactly where but he knows that she's on the island and so when they go up the steps to talk to Rolf Aelin Galathinius, or is in this very specific moment, Selena Sardothian is lounging on the table and she's like, basically says like, I like this office more than your other one. And everyone Rolf at the door is pissed. Rolf is pissed. Uh, <laughs> you have Fenris, Gabriel, Rowan, and Dorian at the door. Mm-hmm. Rowan, I'm pretty sure, immediately has a boner. Like, instantly. Instantly. 100%. Dorian is like, hello. Yeah. My favorite thing. So chapter 27 is actually in Dorian's point of view for the most part. And it is, again, I mean, we have read 15 Sarah J. Mass books. It is my favorite chapter of all Sarah J. Mass books. 
Like so we're t- we're talking about the moment where she's flirting with Rowan and she's saying that I'm going to pull it know, up. I have just to pull, pull it up. up. You have to read that one because the way she writes it is just so perfect cuz she's like playing with like gems or something or yes. like coins. Oh, oh, no, it's emeralds. It's emeralds. <laughs> it's emeralds. Okay. Of course it's fucking <laughs> emeralds. <laughs> okay. So, chapter 26 ends with Aelin saying, "I like this office far better than your other one, Ralph." And then the next chapter says Dorian didn't dare move because Dorian is trying to figure out the logistics of how, like what is going on? Like what is, what is the game plan, you know? And so basically everybody in every book involving Aileen Galathinius. (laughs) That's very true. That's very true. So we're just going to stand here until we figure out what the hell we're supposed to be actually doing. So Dorian's, so Rolf says, I have a distinct memory, Selena Sardothian, of saying that if you set foot in my territory again, your life is forfeit. And she goes, ah, but where would the fun be in that? (laughs) And it says, Rowan was still as death beside him. Aelin's grin became feline as she lowered her feet and ran her hands along either side of the desk, assessing the smooth wood as if it was a prize, inclined her head to Dorian. Hello, majesty. Hello, Selena. He said as calmly as he could. (laughs) It's like, Dorian is out of his league. He's He's like, like, oh God. (laughs) uh, Completely, I was like, okay. So then it says, she jerks her chin at Rolf and it says, you've seen better days, but considering half your fleet has abandoned you, I'd say you look decent enough. And Rolf tells her to get out of her chair and she does no such thing, but she gives Rowan a sultry sweep from foot to face. Rowan's expression remains unreadable. He says, she says, you, I don't know, but I'd like to. And Rowan's lips tug upward. I'm not on the market, unfortunately. Pity. Then she goes for the emeralds. Again, Dorian's point of view, because he says, don't do it, don't do it. She swiped the emeralds in her hand. And then she says, she must be a rare, staggering beauty to make you so faithful. And Fenris coughs. This is Fenris's first interaction with Aelin. I just want everyone to know that. Okay. He's like, (laughs) it's not his first interaction with her because obviously he's like interacted with her in Doranelle and and all of that. Yes. But this is his first interaction with Aelin as Selena. This is his first interaction, like on the page reacting to Aelin because the other ones have been like in the background, but this is, yeah. So she says she must be clever, plunk, with the emerald, and fascinating, plunk, and very, very talented, plunk, 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 with the emeralds. She must be the most wonderful person who ever existed. I wish you could see me right now because I am like... so good, guys. She's fully in it. (laughs) Totally in this. And there's another cop. It's Gabrielle. Who's like, can we hurry this up? And then Rowan says... She is indeed that and more. She goes, hmm. <laughs> and then Rolf interrupts. Rolf, don't interrupt this moment for me, please, but it's fine. So then there's a little bit of conversation between Rolf and Selena. Selena mm-hmm. in quotes. And she says, war is coming, Rolf, and I'm allowed to weigh my options. I thought I'd see what you plan to do. And then I love this. So Rolf says, and he looks at Dorian. He goes, rumor has it, you're champion this fall. Do you wish to deal with this? And Dorian said smoothly, you will find, Rolf, that one does not deal with Selena Sardothian. One survives her. And Aelin grins, which I love. (laughs) So then... It says that she's here, She she's playing along with this, and she says she's here to basically see, even with Aerobin's fortune and the sale of the guild, war is profitable. And Ralph says, and where is the 16-year-old self-righteous brat who wrecked six of my ships, stole two of them, destroyed my town, all for the sake of 200 slaves? 
And she responds with spend a year in Adobe or Ralph and you'll quickly learn how to play a different sort of game. So that is again, a callback to Assassin's Blade. She then says, oh, Ralph, Ralph tries to threaten her a little bit and says, I told you to pay for your arrogance. And Aelin responds with, and indeed I did. And so did Aerobin Hamill. So that is her way of admitting that she, you know, how to play in that. Then there's a little bit farther down. She then asks Rolf the two questions that she promised she would in Assassin's Blade, which is, has he provided sanctuary to anyone? And has he transported any slaves? She tells him that she's already looked at his books and she knows that he hasn't. And then he says, do you know what the stunt cost me? And she goes, well, there's that bar tab I left unpaid. And and then they see it's like on the wall. So they like know how much it is. And then she, then Rolf turns to Rowan and says, you want my assistance in this war? Here's the cost. Kill her now. And then my ships and men are yours. Fenris's eyes glitter because he knows that that's not going to happen. He says, right. oh, I don't think they will or even can. Rolf world, you will find that you're not so skilled in the face of fey warriors. And she goes, you might want to sit. <laughs> i swear to you i love this you know what i love about this chapter this is like a fan fiction chapter like a normal author would never put this in a book but Mm -hmm. this is so epic god i love it okay i'm sorry i've spent so long on this chapter so then he says get the hell out of an alien whistles and she says allow me to introduce you captain ralph to the incomparable the beautiful the absolutely all around Flawless Queen of Terrison and Lysandra's and Dorian couldn't tell which one was which. And then Aelin and it says Aelin and Aelin looked at each other. And the one in black grimmed up at the newcomer. So the one in black is is actually Aelin, and then the other is Lysandra. And she goes, Oh, you are gorgeous, aren't you? I just love this. Okay. Anyway, so the one in green smiled, and then but it was a softer smile, which is important to note that Lysandra. While she's pretty convincing as Aelin, she's doesn't have the harshness that Aelin has. Oh, she gets there. You know, it's the it's the Taurus in us, you know? Okay, continue. Okay, please. so then he says, Aelin Galathinius has no twin, and Aelin in the black, the true Aelin, the one who'd been among them all along, rolls her eyes. Ugh, Ralph, you ruined my fun. Of course I don't have a twin. And then she jerks her chin to Lysandra, who then shifts. Fenris is completely enamored by this. They look at him unimpressed. And then Gabriel just kind of stands there and she goes, as intrigued as I am to see the cadre is present, Aelin says, will you verify to his pirateness that I am who I say I am? And we can move on from the whole to more pressing matters. And then Dorian responds and says, she is Aelin Galathinius and Selena Sardothian. And then he looks to the Fae warriors and Gabriel nods and Fenris says, she is who she says she is. And then Aelin makes one comment to Lysandra, which is, your hair shorter and then she says you try having your hair long we'll see if you last more than today and then the last line of the chapter is so rolf let's discuss this little business of you refusing to aid my cause so that's chapter 27 my favorite okay. chapter of all sarah J. i chapters. love that for you I'm- thank you i needed that nine minutes <laughs> i know i know okay i can go okay. through chapter 28 pretty quick okay so the important thing with chapter 28 is the fact that Rowan and Aelin have more sexy time with their eyes because there's too many damn people in the room. Rolf continues to say that he's not interested in aiding them. And 
this is when Aelin presents the letters from Murtaugh and she says, you know, he wrote you a nice long letter about it. And then they also inform her off that if he does work with them for this war, both Dorian and Aelin as rulers will back him as the king of all pirates, Skulls Bay and the Dead Islands. So he will be his own territory. And then we get the famous line from Aelin, which is the world will be saved and remade by dreamers. Sounds awfully familiar to another court. Okay, moving on. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, so pretty much he's basically not agreeing to it. Aelin quickly slips out and tries to get Adian out. Lysandra already has gone out as a bug and she is going to go get Adian so that Adian doesn't have this awkward interaction with his father. Gabriel Lysandra's the best. Lysandra is the best. Gabriel tries to intercept and says, where is he? Aelin is like, I don't know who you're talking about, but they know exactly who. And she, Aelin basically says, it's his terms. I'm not going to intervene in this. This is up to Adian and you will have to wait and then also rowan at one point kind of steps in like don't mess with her that's pretty much it we get a little bit about manon we find out that manon has been is missing they they know that now and then that's pretty much chapter 28 going all the way to i believe it's 32 so the important thing with 32 is this is when gabriel and adian talk for the first time Mm -hmm. and basically i think adian intended for this meeting to be a pretty significant one what ended up happening though was adian essentially kind of word vomited all over gabriel and just said i want nothing from you unless you plan to help us in which case i will not object to your assistant but beyond that i want nothing from you and he also clarifies because a big a big sort of contingency up until this point it was even mentioned in queen of shadows is the fact that could Maeve potentially call in the blood loath to adian because he is gabriel's son and so adian in meeting gabriel basically is like tell your bitch queen don't mess with me because it will mess with aelin and so gabriel's like I Gabriel's very much on the like he, he's on the defensive where he's just like listen whatever you need like I'm gonna be here for you so that's right. the only important thing to know about that okay let me so chapter 34 is when we find out that Aelin uses a tiny bit of her magic to summon the army to Skulls Bay because she essentially wants to use this to get Rolf on her side yes she blasts a little and bit she, of power. And she does. She she uses it to give her all fun. Yeah. So the important thing to note about this battle that's about to take place, because I'm going to summarize it real damn fast. So she uses a little bit of her power. They all get on the ships. Aelin is pretty much ready to like use all of her fire and like blast these assholes out of the water. However, she, she forgets one teeny tiny little detail. There is something that happens. So, and that would be chapter 35 and, th- and 6. So Aelin is suddenly taken in by Deanna and her fire through the, through the word key that is around her neck. Thank you. Oh, okay. Sorry. I guess I forgot that detail. She is wearing the word key. Okay. There you go. I should be wearing it this whole time. That was the little, that was the little detail that she forgot in case you guys missed that from the little. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, and this happens when they're on the ship. I, this is important to know when they're on the ship, Aelin starts Aelin does this quite a bit where she's going deep into her powers. So she's like going deep. She's tunneling into her powers. And Rowan at one point is like, okay, I think you're good. And she's like, no, no, no. I think I can do more. And you'll, and you'll see that she's not the only Faye that does this. Lorcan does it. Rowan does it. It's how they access greater depths of their power. Yes. 
And for a lot of them, they'll feel the bottom of it, but Aelin doesn't feel a bottom. So she just continues to tunnel, essentially. So she's tunneling and Rowan is basically like, I think you're good. And she's like, no, well, what it has caused is it causes Deanna to take over her body. (laughs) Well, she accesses Mala's power. She breaks through and accesses Mala's power. With silver flames. Right. But it's moonfire. It's Correct. Moonfire, but it is called Silver Flames. It's Moonfire. Listen. It's called Moonfire, but they call it Silver Flames as well. I just want to very clearly say it's Silver Flames. Technically, they also call it Silver Fire. But anyways, we move on. Whatever. It's Silver. Okay. So <laughs> so the important thing to note about this is- it's Silver Flames! It's Silver Flames! The important thing to note is uh, Rowan immediately realizes that something is wrong. And- Deanna is the one that talks to Rowan, and I'm just going to pull that quote. It says, every key has a lock. Tell the queen who was promised to retrieve it soon. For all the allies in the world shall make no difference when she does not wield the lock. If she does not put the keys back with it, tell her flame and iron together bound, merged into silver to learn what must be found. A mere step is all it takes. Rowan also realizes that Deanna's having a little bit of fun with the Silver Flames Moonfire. We'll just call it Moonfire. She's having a little bit of fun with the Moonfire. And so she begins to direct Aelin to attack the island. Now, And not the ships in front of her, which was her original intention. Yes. So Rowan, knowing that this will destroy Aelin in ways that he just can't imagine because she's she's very tenderhearted, jumps in front. He also does this because he has a clear indication that they're mates he he knows he knows he knows knows, and i know he knows he knows but he won't admit it yeah he's known he's known since air fire people very very in denial about it yeah because he he's very conflicted about lyra so it's that later yeah so that's that's what's going on so he jumps in front she doesn't end up destroying the island but then he directs eventually aelin takes control of her body she does end up destroying the things but it causes quite a bit more damage than she intended some of Rolf's ships get damaged and then lysandra saves the damn day as a sea dragon and it's pretty yeah, epic did. but yeah. the coolest part about her turning into a sea dragon which i'm just gonna go ahead and bring it up now so i don't forget is the fact that the reason she turns into a sea dragon is because the mycenians believe that when a sea dragon appears then their people can return so she is doing this because she also knows well aelin knows that rolf is the heir and so by doing this it allows him to summon his people back home correct so they all get back on the beach adian has probably one of my favorite moments where okay. he he confesses his love to Lysandra and it is it's just the best I it's so cute the way he confesses it is adorable he basically is like telling her that all of these people in the tower were saying that they were going to marry her and he said basically get in line because I'm going to be marrying her and he's going to officially make her a lady of Terrison and like it was really cute like it's actually adorable and this is why I'm so team Lysandra and Adian because yeah at the end of the day, he really does love her. Like he yeah. deeply, he deeply loves her. Aelin finally, Aelin is actually rescued by Fenris. That's important to know. But then is taken back to the beach where she finds she's, Rowan. She's rescued by Fenris winnowing. Yes. She's yes. rescued by Fenris winnowing. But yes. winnowing in a way that a certain other character that's not in a court series moves. It's only in spurts. It's not for long distances. Yeah, like a, cer- like a certain ginger. 
Okay, we're we're not getting specific here, ma'am. I'm just I'm just saying that we're yeah. not getting specific. Here. Okay. Anyways. Well, anyways, and then basically everyone's pissed at Aelin because Aelin caused more damage than intended. Uh-huh. Rowan takes the moment to be like, "Nah, it's a good time for us to have sex." So they have sex on the beach. Thirty-seven. The very end of thirty-seven is Rowan's big speech about love. Yep. It's really sweet. It's the first time Sarah ever does a big love confession. So just want to point that out there. It's, you know, the first one's the best one. (laughs) It's rolling her eyes at me. And then 38 is Rowan and Aylan have sex. I'm going to be totally honest. I don't think I was pretty upfront about this the first time I read it. And I think people forget. I hate, this is my least favorite sex scene in all Sarah J. Mass books. Yeah. I just, a beach. Why? Like it just is sand in places that sand does not belong. Okay. Glass. And it, that sounds dangerous. And then they get in the water and like, Aylin definitely has a yeast infection. Like, let's just, I'm just this being honest. way too much for I'm this being, right now. Just being honest. Okay? Relax. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Only thing I want to note before they have sex, Aylin kisses the scar that is on Rowan's shoulder from when he was shot by Astrid. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 39 after they have sex ayla is wearing rowan's shirt that's it uh she walks into the inn where lysandra is resting and, and lysandra's like good job bestie and she's like thanks bestie and then dorian's like uh what are we doing and she's like we're about to summon elena so they summon elena mm-hmm. and basically elena is like you have to go like what are you like i don't i can't this is too far for me essentially this is the first time dorian sees elena so he's a little like shell-shocked but basically she tells her that she needs to start heading towards the marshes it's also in dorian's point of view where he says he talked the speculation away to consider when he was less prone to leaping to conclusions but the threads lay in a lattice across his mind in hues of red and green and gold and blue glimmering and thrumming whispering their secrets in languages not spoken in this world so something love that okay and that is part one yep part two okay so this opening chapter is when Elid goes and watches Lorcan perform his sword dagger spinning shirtless whatever body it's great. oil we all know it's great it's fine yeah it's great anyway so basically she watches him do that he spies her and then like is kind of irked that she like leaves and he follows her to her little caravan thing yeah. where she's being an oracle once he does that eventually the he the ilkin arrive and he tells her to hide and he goes and he takes care of the ilkin and it's like a whole thing but the ilkin are searching for her specifically as we know from earlier in the book vernon has sent them after her and then the other thing to note is that just to focus on elite and lurkin really quick and get yeah, through go for it. so they are traveling with this carnival the carnival people after lurkin fights the Ilkin realize that he's not human, which is what he's pretending to be. And because he's demi faced so he doesn't have pointed ears. Anyways, so it's an important piece to know that I always forget. He does not have pointy he ears. He does not have pointy ears. He is or, a demi Lord. Well, no, I guess I, okay, fine. I'll take my sarcasm oh, somewhere else. Okay. Anyway, so Elite and Lorcan are traveling with the circus. When he defeats the Ilkin, they realize that he is not exactly who he's been pretending to be. They sell the information to somebody. And then Lorcan barely gets a lead out of there alive. They come to a town. They do a lot of fighting and then loving each other and then fighting and then loving each other. Like it's just a back and forth constant. They come to another town when a lead gets her cycle to get supplies. 
and somebody betrays her. Vernon is there with Ilkin and a small box to take a lead back to Morathen. And they've told her that Lorcan has left her and she decides that she will never go back to Morath. So if he tries to take her, then she will kill herself. Yep. And then Lorcan uses his hatchet to throw it not at the Ilkin or Vernon, which it was originally trained at, but at Elid's wrist as the dagger plunges towards her heart. And then they fight the Ilkin and Vernon, and one of the Ilkin takes Vernon and flies him back to Morath, and the other one is killed by Elid and Lorcan. And then they get on the boat, and then they fight about the fact that he killed the guy that saved them. And then he finds out that Rowan and Aelin tricked him with the ring and he does not have a word key. And Elid finds out in those taverns, in those pl- in those inns that they went to before Vernon showed up, that Aelin is not in Terrison where she was heading, but in fact, she, she was spotted at Skulls Bay and is now more than likely heading towards Eelway mm-hmm. and Ben Jolly. And so Lorcan decides to be her guide to Aelin. That is their journey up until they meet up with Aelin. The only other thing that happens is as they're in the swamp marshes, they get attacked by Ilkin and Aelin obviously blasts the fire. And that's that's the first time we come into contact with Aelin, with Elite and Lorcan. So that's their little story up until everybody is together again. Want to quickly note because I didn't talk about it, but I want to reference it for anyone who wants to look it up. Chapter 39 is when we learn about Rolf and his magical map hands and what the cost was and everything. So it's an important if you're curious about the Mycenaeans and how Rolf got the magic magical maps on his hands. That is chapter 38. That is right before Rowan and Aelin have sex. So So, just want to make a note of that. And then I'm going to go ahead and do Manon because she gets with... Aelin and the crew. Yeah. Quickly. So basically we start part two with Abraxas flying in with Manon, essentially hanging off of him. She falls into the water. Dorian jumps into the water after her, pulls her out. And then Aelin and Rowan take turns healing her until she comes to. And then basically she, when she comes to Dorian is the one who greets her. Yeah. So that is chapter 44 and that's Phantom Ants. And the important thing to note about that is <laughs> we, we really get, I think this is the moment. I don't know if you felt this way, but this is the moment for me that I was like, oh, he's not baby Dorian anymore. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're in Danny Dorian. Now we are like full daddy Dorian, daddy like status. Dorian. <laughs> it's pretty hot. Like, yeah, I genuinely I remember reading this the first time and thinking like, what the hell is Dorian doing? And then being like, wow, he took a very strong woman and took control over the situation in a respectful way. She loved it. But I mean, he literally says, I need to hear you say it. And she goes, yes. Like, (laughs) it's really. And then he's like, maybe another time. I mean, oh my God. (laughs) Like, wow. What a Dorian. Oh, Jesus. It's so hot. Okay. So that is that. Oh my gosh. There's a moment and I don't have it in the notes yet. I'll reference it later. But one of my favorite moments is is like at some point they made, they have like a bet going on and Rowan's like, you guys all suck. Like they're all betting. I know where, I know where it is. It's so funny. It's when he shoots the Ilkin with the arrow. Yes. 
Okay, while you're doing that, I just want to talk about 45. So 45, they so Dor- the important thing to note, there's a lot going on in 45. We get a lot of like interesting backstory. Adian, we find out that Adian was somewhat aware of what happened to Illy, but not fully aware. Like he he heard rumors, but that was pretty much it. And so there's a little bit of conversation about that with Aelin. But then what's really interesting is Aelin has like a come to Jesus moment with Dorian. It says... He was about to offer Lysandra a final round in the ring before the sun set when Dorian braced his arm on his knees and said to Aelin through the star railing, I don't think she'll do anything if we let her out. Aelin took a dainty sip of her water, still breathing hard. Did you arrive to that conclusion before, during, or after you visited her in the middle of the night? And it's as Dorian says, he wasn't ready for this conversation. And he goes, he gives her a half smile and says, you have preferences for immortal warriors. Why can't I? And then they kind of cheers each other. And... Adian is definitely listening to this conversation. And Rowan says, is there a reason why you think she should be free? And then basically Dorian is the one that kind of argues for her becoming free. And it's a pretty funny little conversation between the two of them. Fenris comes in. Wilmanon says, who is this? And Dorian goes, you've met him before. He's Fenris, sworn a warrior to Queen Maeve. And Manon goes, no, he's not. And that's when we find out that it is not Fenris. It is the bloodhound, one of Erewhon's bloodhounds. Basically, it is someone who is looking for Manon. And it says, a trove worth your weight in gold. Aelin quickly realizes that Erewhon can see through this bloodhound. So they kill the bloodhound pretty quickly. And it's got it. Oh, which chapter is it? It is 48. I oh, believe. cool. And it's on my Kindle at 447. And it's uh, Rowan snatched up Fenris's fallen bow. Is where it okay, starts. cool. But but it's already too late. The Bloodhound has already revealed where Aelin and the crew are, essentially. So Aelin's kind of like, well, crap. Like every, you know, now they kind of know where we are. They do eventually let Manon out. Because, you know, the wyvern is being so good. They also bring that up. They're like, oh, your wyvern is so good. And (laughs) Brax is just, you know, sunbathing on the top of the ship. It's fine. So that is kind of the little fun thing to note. Okay, I'm going to jump all the way to 48 because it's like one of my favorite little things. Yeah, so it starts with Rowan snatched up Fenris's fallen bow and quiver of black-tipped arrows. None of them stopped him as he strode to the railing, blood splashing beneath his boots. The only sounds were the tapping waves, the whimper of the injured. A gold coin says he misses Fenris rasped. Save your breath for healing, Aelin Snow. Aelin has a pretty interesting conversation with Fenris about his blood oath. And we learn, I believe it's in this chapter, that Fenris took the blood oath because his brother, Connell, his twin, took the blood oath. And there's always been some sort of rivalry and competition between the two. And so he did it to protect his brother and basically has resented the blood oath ever since. So... That's yeah. an important thing to note about that. What's interesting about 48, and now obviously you guys have read The End of Empire Storm, so I always like to bring this up for, for returning readers. So 48 is when Aelin is puking in her room. And for a lot of people, they assume it's because she's pregnant. She's not. It's because she found out that what the nameless is our price. She's coming to terms what this means. It's, it's also Rowan. It's not just us who thinks she's pregnant. Rowan also thinks. Oh, she's Rowan! Rowan thinks she's pregnant. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, kind yeah. of freaks out. Like he's like, a bit, uh, he's a like, smidge. yeah, he's like, open the door because I think some people forget, and I always like to bring it up. Rowan has trauma with women who are pregnant because Lyra had died, and he did not know that she was pregnant, and so he has a bit of trauma with that. Aelin opens the door and says she needs to talk to Lysandra, and Rowan 
sees that she's, you know, she's sweating and they discover that Eelway is burning. So, okay, going now to, I'm going to go all the way to 56. I'm going to just skip all the way there. I'm probably missing some important things, but I just want to go to this. So 56 is going back to to Illid and Lorcan. This is them in the marshes. Everyone is now essentially in the marshes at this point. Yeah, that's and the, that's the main thing to keep in mind. Yeah, everyone is in the marshes. Illid and Lorcan are, they see this like 500 Ilkin are in the marshes with them and Aelin- to attack them. Yeah, it's not good. It's it's just, it's not a good time. It's really not great. And the reason Aelin and Rowan and Lysandra know about it is because Lorcan sends out a blast of warning power. Mm-hmm. By the way, he's not all bad. He's just stupid. Continue. Okay, so Aelin uses her fire magic to blast and kill all these Ilkin. And, and Lorcan, Lorcan kind of freaks. His... And he, he, I know I was getting to it, and he Lorcan... uses his power to he, to protect Illid. Thank you. I was going to say it, but what's interesting about that, and I always, listen, I read the Lorcan scenes, okay? What's okay. interesting about that is Lorcan brings up how, I think this she is the first- forget- that Elite and Lorcan make out. By the I way. did forget they, she they, did they forget made that. out. But I remember this that he protected her and that he says, like, he would, he, I think he knew the depth of Aelin's power, but I think this is really him confronting it. Yeah. And I mean, it's his first real interaction with it outside of what she did in Doranel, which is essentially a party trick compared to what she just did. Yeah. So she does this crazy power thing and. Illid pretty much feels like she should go towards it because she really wants to see Aelin. And Lorcan's like, I don't know if this is a good idea. Meanwhile, Aelin also sees that there's ships in the water. And Rowan and Anian and all of them are like, uh, this is a bad sign. We need to get out of here. Like, we just, you know, and Aelin's like, no, 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 hold on. As they get closer, probably one of the greatest interests ever, it's Ansel. Ansel has arrived with her ships. And that is chapter 58. Important to note that there is another blast of power that's sent out at this very moment of Ansel's ship arrival. Yeah, I'm sorry. Whose blast of power is it? It's Lorcan's. Listen, I am not saying that he's smart. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's Lorcan. Lorcan uses a blast of power. It's pretty... Lorcan uses a blast of power to save the person he loves with the person that he is loyal to okay um, we'll get into that at the end i'm trying to get us to there so anyways yeah, I know. <laughs> ansel arrives ansel and manon have a great little you know moment together and that is between that's 59 so that is 59 that they have this discussion then we get to it's, it's chapter 60 is when they realize that Maeve's ships have arrived yeah yay okay I chapter why Chapter 61 is reason number 737 why Sarah loves Rowan Whitethorn and why Rowan will always be number one for Sarah. And it is the fact that Rowan knows. I'm going to need for you to clarify Sarah on that one for me. Oh, me, Sarah, me, Sarah. Thank you. Me, me, rosebud mode, Sarah loves Rowan more than anyone in the entire world. So 61 is when Rowan realizes that the ships aren't going their way. And it's not going to go their way. And so he sneaks out and 
goes to, because he knows his cousins are here and they are with Maeve's armada. And so he, he gets on Edna's ship and they, they're, they've never really been close friends, but they are, they're here. And he tells him that Edna has a mate and they have a really good conversation, but essentially Rowan begs that he turns the tide and he, Edna says, I will consider it. And from ship to ship, Rowan gives the same speech. Now, what we don't know at this point until you get to the end of the book, and this is why I bring it up. So earlier when I brought up Aelin throwing up, that is the chapter that Rowan and Aelin get married. Okay. So they get married in that chapter. The important thing to note is that when Aelin throws up, that is when Rowan, that is Aelin's she says something in that chapter to Rowan, like, I need you to do something for me. And that's when they get married. So when Rowan is doing this on all these ships, he's already married to Aelin. And that I is. guarantee you, he tells every single one of his cousins that that's his wife. Yeah, of course he does. Guarantee. We don't see that as the reader, but mm, they married. They married. Okay. So now moving into chapter 62 so 62 is the witch mirror this is when aelin and manon go through the mirror together yeah the mm-hmm. you want to talk about that no not really yeah I, I didn't <laughs> okay the important thing to know about the witch mirror is this that they go through it it feels in my opinion like a pocket room just gonna throw yeah, that out there i would agree what we find out is that the witch has made a deal with the the fae the brandon essentially and there's information in it. And the most important thing we learn is that number one, Nehemia, we see the scene when Nehemia meets Elena and Elena indicates to Nehemia that she needs to go to the continent and because there is a girl waiting for her. We we now know that's Aelin and we there also- are, fa- Yeah, there are two waiting for her, but yeah. one is more ready than the other. Yes. And we know it is Aelin. And then we also find out that Nehemia asked in that meeting, you know, will she see Ilway again? And Elena tells her no. So I just want to point out that I remembered that from February of 2021, which is honestly amazing. Yeah. There is some other information that we find out some of it that I'm pretty fuzzy about, but to be totally honest with you, we will cover it in the all mass thing because it is more crossover related and more lore for that than it is for this moment. But the most important thing is they go through this mirror, they learn about the lock and the key and they learn about all these things. And (laughs) when they get spit out, it is at the marshes, not on the boat anymore rowan meanwhile with adian just the ships have now all changed their tides the white thorns now wave the white thorn flag they're no longer waving mave's ship and they're turning against mave but it doesn't matter because mave is not on the ships mave is on land and <sighs> how long do we have to actually talk about this for because neither of us wants to do it <laughs> this is the thing i I'm just going to say as a reader, I remember reading this and being like, it can't get worse. And it does. It gets worse every paragraph you read. So moving ahead, because we've gotten through most of it. 71 is Mm -hmm. where Maeve is standing on the beach. Yes. And if you're doing the tandem read, this is a really good time to say you should probably do the tandem read. If you haven't, this is why we recommend the tandem read. Because it's pretty cool to know something about this moment. If you do the tandem read, you will know. If you don't, you won't know until you read Tower of Dawn. Or if you read Tower of Dawn first and not the the extra chapter at the end, but Tower of Dawn first, you also know going in. It's just, it makes it so much worse. 
It makes it a lot worse. Okay. So in 71, I have highlights. I'm just going to hit the highlights. One of the first things I have highlighted is the lady of parents shook the girl Lorcan Salvatore summoned to save. So Maeve is talking about Elid. This is when we find out that Lorcan sent out a blast of power on upon Ansel's arrival to summon Maeve to this area to save Elid because Lorcan is loyal to Elid over everybody else over anybody i'm not gonna say anything (laughs) i'm going to read canon fact okay that's what i'm going to read okay okay lorkin said i'm sorry aelin didn't know if it was to her or a lead whose eyes now widened with outrage but aelin said you think i didn't know that i didn't take precautions so aelin knew that when lorkin sent out this blast of power that it was going to bring Maeve. she knew and she took precautions, which we find out the precautions that she took later. And then a, a lot happens. And then the next thing I have highlighted is, did you think my arrival was merely dependent upon Lorcan's summoning? Who do you think even whispered to Morath you were indeed down here? Of course, the fools didn't realize that when you had drained yourself on their armies, I'd be waiting. You were already exhausted after putting out the fires. I had my armada ignite to tire you on Eelway's coast. It was a convenience that Lorcan gave your precise location and saved me the energy of tracking you down myself. A trap, an enormous wicked trap, to drain Aelin's power over days, weeks, but Aelin lifted a brow. You brought an entire armada just to start a few fires. I brought an armada to see if you'd rise to the occasion, which apparently Prince Rowan has done. Hope soared in Elid's chest, but then Maeve said the armada was a precaution just in case the Ilkin didn't arrive for you to wholly drain yourself. I figured a few hundred ships would make for good kindling until I was ready. So Maeve sucks. Okay. She was literally, Maeve's grandiose idea was to send the white thorns the white thorns mm-hmm. to be fire for Aelin? Let's right. think about that. That's not smart, Maeve, but fine, whatever. Right. Additionally, in this moment, Elid is begging Manon. Yeah. Oh yeah, Manon's there. Manon is standing here. Elid is begging Lorcan. He's bound by the blood oath at this point. He's told to hold on to Elid. Run, Lorcan says in her ear, if you wish to live, run, Elid, shove me off, work around her command, push me and run. She's not going to do that. And even Manon flinched as Aelin was slammed back. Um, Basically, Aelin's getting thrown around right now. Elid begs Manon to do something. Manon ignores her. A low, vicious snarl rippled from nearby. The only warning as a massive wolf leaped through the seagrasses and shifted Fenris. A heartbeat later, a mountain lion charged over a dune, beheld the scene, and shifted as well. Gavriel. Let her go, Fenris growled at the Dark Queen, advancing a step. Let her go now. Maeve turned her head, that darkness still lashing Aelin. Look who finally arrived, another set of traitors. Yeah, I mean, the only thing to note about that is she get, she's really annoyed at them. And then I believe it's in that chapter she releases Gabrielle from the blood oath. The next thing I have highlighted is Manon still stood there. She did not move. Elite begged her, please, please. Maeve smiled at the witch. I have no quarrel with you, Blackbeak. Stay out of this and you are free to go where you wish. Please, Elite pleaded. Manon's gold eyes were hard, cold. She nodded to Maeve, agreed, and she walks away. We find out later that there are reasons that Manon is not helping and walks away. She's not a bad person. Okay. But it's at the very beginning of the next chapter. 
no, Aelin, Aelin has done it. Manon has them, but we don't know that until the next chapter. No, I was going to say there is a moment that, and it is, it is on the page where you mm-hmm. see Aelin give it to Manon. Yeah. Aelin has slipped the word keys into Manon's pocket and Manon is not able to help Aelin because she has to get the word keys away from Maeve. That's yeah. the, that is her goal. That is her one purpose and she knows it. Yeah. Okay. So that is what's going on there. She strips Gavriel of the blood oath. Yep. Which is with like uh, with whole, dishonor with dishonor, and he's like bleeding, and Fenris calls her a bitch because Fenris. And Why bother you, with you at all? Because I can't very well let you sacrifice yourself to forge a new lock, can I? Not when you already have what I want, and I have known for a very, very long time that you would give me what I seek, Aelin Galathinius, and have taken the steps toward ensuring that. So this is her big monologue villain speech. So here we go. So I I think the big thing to note with this is she reveals that she knew that Aelin and Rowan were mates. She knew that Aelin and Rowan were mates, but more importantly, she knew that Aelin was going to come along when she knew it was going to be an Aelin, but she knew when Galathinius was going to come along and be the thing to get these word keys essentially yes. and to start and to stop this whole thing and she knew when she saw it, when she met rowan who was an extremely powerful fae that that was the mate meant for aelin mm-hmm. and so she blood sworn him and did all of this to him she manipulated him into believe, believe that lyria was his mate and yeah she never was and she did all of this because she knew if she broke down Rowan enough that it would have to be leverage against Aelin. We and also find out that Mab's line ran true. Yes. In this and the, I remember that. <laughs> so the more important thing is what Maeve was secretly hoping for was that the Galathinius would live and that she would send Rowan to Terrison. And when Rowan met Aelin in that moment, the blood oath would, the, the mating bond would snap and that would entrap Aelin with Rowan in turn and trap her with Maeve. However, that is not what happened. And because so she broke Rowan so thoroughly, he didn't recognize He didn't her. recognize it, which is why when you read Era Fire and she backs him to Rowan and Rowan just stands there not... Aelin backs into Rowan and just stands there kind of whatever. Maeve smiles because she realizes her plan has somewhat worked. And what made it work even more is the fact that Aelin would do anything to protect Rowan. And why not give her the person who would not only protect her, but get her what she wants, which is the keys. So now that Aelin has done her job and she's gotten the keys and Maeve feels like you know it's accomplished this is when she reveals that Mab's line runs true with the at least with the females that's what we know that she's going to entrap her and in a coffin with a mask that she has kept cap that she has kept for a very long time for this exact moment she has prepared for this moment for years centuries actually is what it says yeah and she whips Aelin to the point of so badly bleeding that when she gets in the coffin, she won't be able to heal. Right. 
And right before she does it, well, first off, she says it's either you, Aelin, or it's Illid. And Lorcan kind of freaks out. And Aelin knows she would never put Illid through this. And so, oh, God, no. Even though Illid is like, I'll go with you. Yes, yes. And this is when Aelin says, you know, tell Rowan I'm sorry that I lied. And yeah, it was a it, whole speech. It's a whole speech. And if you listen to the audiobook, Elizabeth Evans is incredible because she sounds like she's crying in this whole moment. Great. It's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. But what's really interesting about it is the fact that Aelin knew this was, she knew her her life was not going to, she knew she wasn't going to live long. Well, and, so and she, she also had found out that she was going to die forging the lock anyway. So, so she, cause she says it was all borrowed time anyways. And, you know, and, and they, they trap her, they, they put her in the coffin and they trap her and they take Aelin away. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. Um, and, there's just one thing I want to mention about the mask and its description really quick. Oh, before the sun? We, well, yes, the sun, but it says whirls of fire, little suns and embers had been shaped into its dark surface, a mockery of the power it was to contain. Disgusting. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> thank you. The <laughs> next thing to note is that Manon then takes Illid because yes. Illid is just beside herself oh uh-huh. Lorcan is also free of the blood oath but he is freed oh, with yeah. honor no dishonor Lorcan is also free with dishonor i thought it was honor dishonor oh, oh that was my mistake i thought it was honor. yeah okay so they're both no, free no, with- no. the only person who's ever freed with honor from the blood oath is rowan yeah you're right gabriel is dishonor Lorcan is dishonor and then we know what happens yeah with yeah okay Manon takes Illid and and kind of subtly explains to Illid what's going on. And that's why she couldn't help. And so Illid understands. And then, no, she took, no, she shows her the keys. She says she's got him. Eventually, but to get her away from the scene, she knocks her out with wind cleaver. Oh yeah, you're right. I forgot about the knock Yeah, out. So I knew she, she gets, was dragging her. I knew she, she was gets, dragging her. Oh, she throws her over her shoulder very like Lorcan. And, okay, and carries her away and then it, she eventually comes to and that's when she gets the explanation so everyone is now on the beach except for rowan who has been dealing with the ships and thinks it's a victory is on this is on the beach and we get the infamous line where is my wife yeah it's a tough time guys and lorkin drops to his knees and yep. is so regretful and Manon is the one who tells him that Maeve took her. Elite is the one that explains the mating bond. Elite is the one who explains everything, but Manon starts it. Yeah. Rowan comes across Aelin's bloody t-shirt and they didn't realize that they were married and now they know they're mates. Rowan is not surprised by this at all. Lysandra is not surprised by this at all because Lysandra reveals that Aelin had come to her a few nights ago and knew that she was not going to survive and asked that she takes the form of Aelin and Adian and Aelin would sire the children. Adian and Lysandra as Aelin would sire the children. Yes. And Rowan would be the king consort of Harrison. And Adian is... He loses it. Yeah. And I just... (laughs) I mean, should we, I'm just going to go ahead and get into it. So like, this is the thing I get because Adian says things to Lysandra in this moment that are awful. God awful. I will, I will never defend what he says in this moment. No. However, what I will defend is the fact that Adian, Adian Asherber, who has been loyal to Aelin before Aelin even accepted that she was Aelin, mm-hmm. 
is suddenly found, like suddenly learns that he's essentially going to be a breeding tool for Terrison. Yeah. But not told. Yeah. To be fair, he's very blindsided by the whole thing. Very blindsided. And he has every right to be upset, but he is upset at the wrong person. Yes, he's not upset at Aelin. He's upset at Lysandra. Because Aelin's not there. Not telling him. Aelin's right. not there for him to yell at. Also, right. because people always bring this up, why do I forgive Adian but not forgive Lorcan? Adian is a 20-something-year-old, like, adult. Oh, he is. He's a 20-something-year-old adult. Mm-hmm. So he's uh-huh. allowed, like, men at that age are stupid, okay? He's allowed to be stupid. What he sa- does, says and does to Lysandra, doesn't ex- it doesn't excuse anything he does to her, mm-hmm. but it excuses the fact that, like, a lot has happened in his life and he's only 20 something years old. Like he's not even 25 yet. Mm-hmm. And he has been through so much and he is, he thinks this is his chance to really kind of be in the loop and he's constantly out of the loop. Rowan yeah. barely is in the loop. Yeah. Lorcan. <laughs> All I'm going to say is like, I will never forgive him for putting her in an iron coffin. I just won't. Okay. I won't forgive him. Here are the semantics of that. I I will sit here and say that I like Lorcan as a character. Is uh-huh. he one of my favorite SJM males? No, he's not. I like him in a lead. But yeah. like, do I find his character intriguing? Yes. The man has never once, never once been loyal to Aelin. In fact, he's held no. a knife to her throat. Multiple times. Multiple times. This man... Is at the very least consistent. The only thing <laughs> that he is truly protective of is Illid. And it is only when Illid comes into his life that he starts to change and become better. So his number one focus is Illid. And he only fights in that battle once he makes sure that Rowan swears that a lead will be on the shore and safe. That is the only way Rowan gets his sword. That is what he says. He sees a large armada of ships coming for them with zero explanation from anybody that they are allies. And he freaks out and summons the person that he is bloodsworn to who he thinks he has a chance of using to save the person that he loves is it smart no does it make sense for his character yes it makes sense for his character does his summoning directly expedite Aelin being put into an iron coffin? Yes. Is it the only way she ends up in an iron coffin? Debatable. Right. And that's the issue. The because issue, Maeve the issue is, is going that to put her in an iron coffin. It's I get been that. made for centuries and she was waiting. I get that. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying everything was so stacked against Aelin that by Lorcan doing what he did, she had no chance. There was no way she was getting around that right. coffin. But right. if he had, if he did not do that, right. Aelin might have stood a chance of not being in that coffin. So, yeah, I mean, well, and I, I will say the good thing about all of this is 
the one thing I really appreciate is how, because I think there are other characters and other series where issues like this just get pushed under the rug. Sarah does a great job of making Lorcan grovel for quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, and he has to grovel. Yeah, it's great. Anyways, the last thing I want to say about Empire of Storms is, so Ro- So, what is now happening where we end this book? Dorian and Manon have the keys. And, and sexy time. Yes, but they have the keys and they are going, they are going to go find the Kraken witches. Yes. So they are off. The 13 are also there. And I want to quickly point out that when the 13 arrive, when the 13 arrive and talk to Manon, it's a really great conversation with Astrin and Manon. And they say in that conversation, like, Hey, you know, we'll do whatever you want, Manon, whatever, you know, is helpful for you. So Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's helpful. Dorian goes with them. He chooses to go with them. Adian, oh, we totally skipped over the fact that <laughs> Sarah just drives the knife in. Uh, the silent assassins oh, yeah. and Gallon Ashriver show up. Yeah. So Gallon shows up and Gallon is Aelin's cousin. And mm-hmm. he says that, you know, he's here for Aelin Galathinius and he who is lives here. in Wendland. It's her cousin who lives in Wendland. Yes. And he's here for Aelin Galathinius and he's here to tell her that Wendland does, does not forget, forget. They did not mm-hmm. forget. No. And Lysandra very quickly and honestly, miraculously turns into Aelin and Adian has to put on a brave face. And so Adian and Aelin... Lysandra are now going with the silent assassins and the the Ash River army and they are going to head to Terrison. And Ansel's and army too, yeah. Ansel's yeah, Ansel's army was they weren't on the oh, Ansel was on the beach because she mm-hmm. she interacted with the silent assassins. She interacts with Ilias, yeah. Yes. And then Rolf is also going to head to Terrison. So people going to Terrison, the White Thorns, meaning the army, Gallen Silent assassins, assassins and Ansel all going and then to Terrison. Aelin and Adian. Yes. So they're all going to Terrison. Manon, Dorian, 13, going to find Crockins. That leaves Rowan, Lorcan, Illid, Gavriel, and that's it. They are going to find Aelin. And because because we didn't touch on it, Fenris is still blood sworn to Maeve and is now taken with Aelin. Yeah, and he so he's with Aelin. And so they believe, well, Gavriel says that he believes that Fenris probably left clues. Knowing Fenris, if he could, as much if as the, he could, yeah. yeah, he will leave clues along the way. And so Rowan's like, sick. So they and Elite says she's gonna go with them. And mm-hmm. so they're like, okay, which I thought was a very interesting choice, but honestly happy with it in the end. Like so what, what else was she gonna do, honestly? Well, I mean, she could have I thought she would go to Terrison, honestly, but I mean, makes sense. So she goes with the she goes with that crew, yep. and then and yeah, and then that's the end of the book. And then it's and then the last line is which I'm gonna pull it up to read it because it is so so dang sweet. So mm. it says unleashing a cry that set the world trembling, Prince Rowan, Whitethorn, Galathinius, consort of the Queen of Terrison, began the hunt to find his wife. And that's the end of Empire Storms. And guess what? What? We did that in two hours. I'm proud of us. That's impressive. <laughs> and there's she a chunk MVPs. Who's your oh, MVP? Uh, for this one, it's Lysandra. Mine is also Lysandra. Yeah. 
for this one is Lysandra. She becomes a freaking sea dragon. She's incredible. She fights all the time. She's incredible. And everything she does at the end to maintain the plan and facade that Aelin puts forth is just like. She's amazing. Yeah. Well, I've always loved Lysandra. Yeah. Lysandra's just, she's, she's killer in this book. So yeah. She's great. Mine is also Lysandra. I wanted to make Lysandra the MVP for Queen of Shadows, but uh, decided against it because she's so good in this book. So yeah. Next, we're going to talk about Tower of Dawn. Yeah. Yay. I get to talk about Sartak. I'm not mad. This is the thing. I actually really like Tower of Dawn. Yeah. Empire of Storms is a good book. It is the most traumatizing book I've ever read. And that includes Hosab. It is the most traumatizing yep. book I've ever read. Yep. The way I I still think the way Sarah did that ending reveal with Rowan being married to Aelin, with everyone arriving to oh because the best we didn't say this but I just want to quickly point out my favorite part of Path the fact that everyone arriving is the fact that Adian who was like where are the ships Aelin where are the allies all of a sudden they come in and he's like oh I suck yeah but this is again where I don't think Aelin is the greatest in this book because she's kept too many damn secrets. Yeah, she's kept too many secrets. Just admit. Just at least tell Rowan. God, at least tell him. Tell like, anybody. Yeah. Literally anybody. That's you literally not just Lysandra. I mean, she does tell Lysandra. I was going to say, can you tell like Rowan? And I don't understand why she never told Rowan. Whatever. She has her own reasons. But like, she should have at least he told Rowan. Because he would have talked her out of it. I don't he care. He would have talked her out of it. Eh. He's probably true. But like, nah. You know? yeah. But yeah, it was good. That was that. Yeah. Was, that was it. So. Okay, it. we'll be back to talk about Tower of Dawn. Soon very soon i'm gonna say soon stupidly soon yeah it's fine and then we'll talk kingdom of ash hell yeah so i read kingdom of ash in a day i still can't believe i did that. yeah you're psycho <laughs> i think i read it in two I, I was on little sleep though because i read queen of shadows in a day and that was so all right well thanks y'all bye bye